Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Your hosts today, Robbie Rockets, 12617, and the dude, Dariel, are here to bring you a new episode of Spit Wars. Here we go, let's dive in. We are finally back to bring you our 23rd episode, our final episode of 2020 for Spit Wars. And it's a big one. It's The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 8, Chapter 16, The Rescue. This episode starts action-packed, you know, foot on the pedal, going straight into it. Yeah, we kind of have a chase going down of the slave chasing down an imperial shuttle yeah and we find dr pershing we're in a good old texas standoff you know imperial imperial pilot has pershing you know hostage kara's got a gun pointed mando's got a gun pointed imperial pilot shoots his co-pilot and they're just talking trash to each other and original trilogy vibes happening here between this guy being on the first Death Star, blowing up Alderaan. <laughs> Cara Dune's home, and that's putting a damper on Cara. Yeah. Even if she was like, which one? Which Death Star? Huh? And I, lo- I love that because that was a funny joke. That, that was, was a funny joke. <laughs> it's a nerd's joke. <laughs> yeah. She like Which the Death like Star that. were you on? And. I just love that she just took out the guy so easily. Easy <laughs> yeah. standoff. It was Easy quick. St- I, I thought Mando was going to put an end to it. Yeah, I did too, to be honest. And way nope. to go, Kara. Kara did a lot this episode. She did. She's, she's, she's kinda, a tank. She's a tank playing this crucial role in trying to get back Grogu. Mm-hmm. That's nice. And it's nice that we take Dr. Pershing into custody as well now. And that he's so willing to cooperate. Yeah. Like, who would have thought he was going to be cooperating so well? And to, to be honest, like, before he was even cooperating, I love how we brought in a new planet, which we don't even know what this new planet is, but yeah. who we're seeing at the new planet. Because once the slave landed on this planet, I spotted Bo's ship, and I go, oh, boy, this is getting yeah. interesting. I didn't even think it was Bo's ship. I was like, oh, that ship's from the cartoons. That's a Mandalorian Whoa. ship, yeah. I, and I, then I, I was like, I assumed it might have been Bo, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. I, I thought it, I thought it could have just been an Easter egg. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now, this show loves to give us little Easter eggs. <laughs> oh, you're definitely right about that. And I have, we have to find this out because Mando and Boba walk into this bar. There's a joke out there somewhere where two oh, Mandalorians yeah. walk into a bar. Yeah, two canteen. Yeah. Two Mandalorians walk into a cantina. Because that was just funny, just seeing that. And then... (laughs) There has to be a joke somewhere. I want to know it. (laughs) Oh, man. Bo and Reeves, we're getting throwbacks here of Bo knowing Boba Fett, but only knowing him because of his voice, because of the Clone Wars and everything. (laughs) They don't like each other at all. No. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of when Obi-Wan mentioned Jango Fett to um, Minister Almec. Oh. And he was like, oh, that's no Mandalorian. He's just a a random bounty hunter. He took our armor. Yeah. 
but meanwhile their DNA is inscribed in this armor. Yeah. So. And apparently Jangle might have been a foundling. Yeah. I mean, he fought in the Mandalorian Civil Wars. I mean, I guess we know what side he fought on if everyone disrespects him so much. That's Obviously true. Obviously fought on the losing side. Yeah. that That's definitely a big factor. But I got to say, this little beef between uh, Boba and Reeves when they fight. Yo, Reeves went literally all Sasha Banks on his ass in that final Oh, move. yeah. She went Sasha Banks on him. Like... I, I thought that was great. And then, you know, too bad she didn't have a belt to hold up in the air, though. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm the winner. No, what's even funnier is, like, she's like, you don't deserve to wear that armor. He's like, this is my father's armor. And she goes, you mean your donor? He's like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> oh, that was funny. That was like, I don't know. I felt like that was almost like a family reunion type for all yeah, happening. Yeah, it was like a weird... <laughs> It's like a weird family reunion. Oh. Some weird comedy bit somewhere. Yeah. But I do love that we get these guys to join us. And obviously, it all comes at a price where Mando offers her power to reclaim Mandalore. Let's let's just note, Mando does not care about anything. All he wants is the kid. He'll, he was legit like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. You want the sword? Yeah, I'll give it to you. It's just help me get the kid back. Yeah, you want Gideon's ship? All right, no problem. You can take it. Take it. Just join me. Just just help me save the kid, and then you can have whatever you want. He literally stated that Grogu is his top priority. That's it. Mm. Nothing else. But he means more to me than you'll ever know. Yeah, that's it. He doesn't care about anything else. You may think you know what you have in your possession, but you do not. But um, I got to say, they did have a good plan coming through here with good that. plan great execution you know usually in star wars the plan goes wrong somewhere yeah, it does. um and even but, when the plan does go wrong kind of we have a savior yeah this worked out perfectly yeah Bobo just going in the yeah shooting the shuttle down you know why not i mean he he freaking was shooting that shuttle and they're probably like yo this guy shoots like us he sucks you know? <laughs> That's a, that's what the others are probably saying. Yeah, and then <laughs> Gideon had to have known what was up because he's like, why is this random shuttle here? Yeah, you know, it all to me reminds me like it like a little later on when he says, assume I know everything. You know, that's that's how I kind of put it. And you know, it's, it's so like cool. a not fun version of Thrawn. Yeah. Because Thrawn will, like, entertain you, you know? He'll, he'll like, he'll actually want to talk to you, have a convo. He's he's a strict ISB guy who wants to get straight to the point. Yeah, and Gideon's so condescending, and I don't think Thrawn is as condescending in Star Wars Rebels. No, you know what it is? It's, and, like, Thrawn also respects his enemies. That's exactly what I was just going to say. That's the opposite. These guys are opposites. Gideon doesn't do that. Yeah, Gideon thinks he's better than everyone because he has so much info. Yeah. His knowledge is his power. Mm -hmm. Thrawn has the knowledge to his And his appreciation for art. Yes. And culture and learning. Like, learning about his enemy so he can use it against them. Yeah. And that's what throws everyone off about Thrawn. I mean, remember his little office in uh, Rebels? 
Yeah, where so he many had, antiques and artifacts, and it was about the people he was going after. Mm-hmm. You know, basically, you look at Gideon; he, his only antique or artifact is the dark saber, yeah. and he just kind of goes by his files because he's an ISB agent. Mm. So, and he probably has like some old Jedi temple holocron or something on fighting styles. You know, it, for all you know, it could be something he has access to from Inquisitors. This is also true. So that could that could definitely be a, a big factor. And I gotta say, going through Gideon's cruiser, I like a big team of women going through this. Like, Yeah, I noticed, I realized it, and I was like, whoa, girl. And it didn't feel forced at all. No. Like, like, like in Avengers Endgame, it kind of felt forced. I don't know if you felt that way at the end. Or um, like you see all the female superheroes. No, I didn't feel it like that. I felt like Captain Marvel was more forced. Mm-hmm. I expect I expected more from Scarlet Witch mm-hmm. just because of, you know, him, Thanos killing Vision. And he's like, I don't even know who the hell you are. But <laughs> <laughs> that, that's Thanos to everyone. <laughs> I don't know who you are. Get out of here. So, but they blended in beautifully. Beautifully. And they're ruthless. I mean... Did you see, remember when they shot the, well, not, they like threw the stormtrooper down through the ray shield. Yeah. And Fennec doesn't need her rifle either. No. She's She's dope with the blaster. Dude. Fucking beast with the blaster. Kicking people left and right, shooting them. Yeah. And, you know, Dune, Dune is like, she's got a lot of brawn going for her. I I will say... (laughs) There was a part in the episode when Kara's about to, like, I guess, hit a stormtrooper with the end of her rifle, and Fennec just shoots, shoots the, the, yeah. the trooper. And I was like, bitch. <laughs> I was like, how dare she? <laughs> Kara's about to bash that stormtrooper's helmet in, and you're just shooting people. And greedy, he, greedy bastard. You know, I don't know about you, but I had a feeling as they were, like, going through all this and the way they kind of meshed well together, I had a hunch that maybe it could be something we see in the Bad Batch. I don't know, because Fennec Shand will be in the Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. I feel like at some point, Shand and Bo have encountered each other. No, they have. I mean, they knew each other. Yeah. I mean, it's like heavily hinted at. So I, I think it'd be cool to see them meshing beforehand, or maybe they were rivals. Maybe they were rivals. Also, why was she on Tatooine in season one? That's another thing. I mean, like, why else was she there? Yeah. She had to have been looking for something. So. Or someone. Boba Fett. But them going through, and our favorite uh, Bo-Katan line, how. A Mandalorian with a jetpack is a weapon. Her and so Reeves true. coming in from the sides on the sides? jetpacks. Yeah. <sighs> Those guys are probably like, oh, perfect. There's only two of them right now. And boom. <laughs> they, get, they got flanked on both sides because of jetpacks. Yeah, all those stormtroopers hated hated going through everything. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. And then Mando trying to like ex- you know run to save Grogu, yes. and his encounter with that dark trooper. Yeah. And oh, how much man. trouble he had fighting just one. You know, it was kind of crazy because I actually thought he was gonna have an upper advantage, even though he's mm-hmm. getting his fucking head bashed in, and his helmet is just not dented at all, which was. Pretty funny. I was like, his head is just getting pushed back in further to the pipes. 
Oh yeah, I was like, eesh. I was like, that hurts. Oh, eesh. but my whole thing was, I thought he was gonna have an advantage with his flamethrower. Only because you know what? They, I had a feeling he wasn't. My my only thing was is they said how these things need to be in that certain temperature of the cold and stuff. You know mm. how Pershing stated that because I mean Mando eventually does take out this one dark trooper and allows him to send the other dark troopers into space. But I said to myself right away, I was like, they're coming back only because they can survive the cold like Pershing had stated when he was giving his information. You know what? I didn't even think about it like that. That that was my first interpretation. That wasn't even, I didn't it. even wow. I didn't even I, I didn't even pick that up. So that that was that was my best like thought about it because I was like, first of all, there's no way <laughs> they're gonna be gone that easily. They're not gonna be teased like that. There was no way. Um also <laughs> When Mando is fighting that one dark trooper, the whole time I'm screaming, get the spear, get the fucking spear. How long does it take you to get that fucking spear? Yeah, seriously, he needed that spear big time. And it saved his ass. It's got to help. Sometimes the jetpack isn't necessary. That spear Sometimes it's not. Handy. <laughs> Sometimes you need a good old spear. But we have seized control of the bridge, and Mando has now made it to Grogu, who is... But there's someone who isn't on the bridge. Mr. Gideon. Okay, did you see... Like, like you don't see Gideon on the bridge. You're going to automatically assume he's with Grogu, right? Oh, 100%. Okay, okay. I, I, I just thought that this wasn't clever. I feel like they were trying to be clever, and it just wasn't no. clever at all. I, I had a hunch that he was going to be with Grogu to begin with. Like, this is the scene where he says, assume that I know everything. <laughs> dick <laughs> you know and like hearing him give that whole speech i'm like you're a cock yo great kid don't get cocky seriously and now here's my thing so he says that he's got everything that he needs from this child do you still think like do you think that was just a lie or do you think it's the truth and he just wanted mando to still grab him so he could try and take him out i think it's a half truth a half truth you know, Star Wars is big on half-truths. That's true. Big I mean, Obi-Wan uh, Kenobi, I mean, from a certain point of view. Yeah, look at uh, what the, how Dave Filoni always puts it. He always puts it's a possibility. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a possibility. I don't know, man. But um, it's crazy because basically Gideon is saying this kid's blood is going to bring order to the galaxy. Yeah, that, when he said that, I was like, oh, my God, no. I was like, Snoke. There's been an awakening. Uh, but this first order is like it's like being created right yeah, underneath our noses it's brewing in this up show, right now and nobody else knows it's happening except the viewer or like nerds like you and yeah I. exactly it's just us and all that happening obviously we knew gideon was going to attack mando yeah <laughs> he wasn't gonna let him just take the kid we get we a great have... fight a battle ensue. Uh, Mando win all um, Oberyn Martell. Seriously. <laughs> you know? And that was the like, greatest fight ever. Too bad in Game of Thrones he couldn't have had that Mandalorian helmet to protect him from getting <laughs> smashed. <laughs> I'm just saying. I was thinking the same thing. Pedro Pascal wished his character had a helmet in yeah, Game of Thrones. Because that was, that was big for him. All this Beskar, huge for him. And... First off, 
when you saw him disarm Gideon and beat him, what ran through your mind right away? I was like, well, at first I'm like, oh my God. First he beat him. Save, you know, he has the kid. But then now he has the dark saber. So what does that mean? Like, he doesn't care. Like, yeah, obviously. No, he doesn't care. And the other thing is, he doesn't know what he just did. Yeah, we, he doesn't as know. Fans, <laughs> we as fans know what just happened. We're like, oh boy, this is going to be interesting now. Yeah. So, I mean, at first, I did not think of this as a big deal of him beating Gideon which means he does have the right now to it the didn't, dark saber. It didn't click in my head until he brings Gideon to the bridge. And now, he tries to give the saber to Bo, and Bo's eyes are like, but my thing, fuck? My thing was, is I expected Bo, I expected Mando to just give it to her and her to accept it, only because, now think back. This is a big Rebels. take right here. Rebels. Sabine gave it to Bo. But then also... Sabine gave it to Bo, but she had the support of every clan. That's true. So I feel like maybe that was an oversight just so they can just tell the narrative and and write in that tension between Bo and Mando. That's true. But also, she doesn't have clan support. Also, and maybe she realizes that her not winning it might have factored into how she lost Mandalore. So she feels that she has to actually win this one win, back this time. Yeah. That could, that could make sense. Because that was my first thing. I'm like, dude, just take it. You took it from Sabine. But then again, there were a lot more people there. There were, yeah, was everyone was watching and everyone was like, yeah, take it. Yeah, woohoo, Bo-Kadam, baby. You know? But no, that actually, that does make a lot of sense. Because that now, it brings a lot of things into also, perspective. You have to realize Bo might be a different is a different character now from Rebel. She I think now she's like the grizzled vet who's like bitter and on and now understands that she for her to make the change she wants, she needs to impose her power. Yeah. No, that's true. Like I think she wants to change Mandalore like her sister, but I think she realizes for her to do that, she needs power. And she needs everyone to respect that power for her to make the change she wants. Yeah, that could make sense. Because also, it, it could also say, like, she needs to win the battle because of this purge mm-hmm. that happened and how she lost everything. Also, everyone mentions Mandalore being destroyed or Mandalore just being glass or whatever. And she's like, don't believe everything you hear. So in season three, I really want us to have an episode where we're on Mandalore. Because I, I want to see what Mandalore is like, because everyone says Mandalore is a toxic planet, it's poison, it's dead, and she's like, don't believe everything you hear. Yeah, so be- what, what's up? Because we've, we've seen what this planet is. We've seen the civil unrest and mm-hmm. war happen throughout the Clone Wars. Wars, and yeah. You know, but I, I did want Bo to be like, That lightsaber, it belongs to me. <laughs> I think that would have been funny. It would have been funny. <laughs> so, because the way she looked at Mando, I was like, I really hope that she doesn't try. And to then you have Gideon right on the side, like a little dick, like, oh, you don't know what that, you don't know what that, what you hold in your hand. He was like, he was, stu- he was trying to stir up the pot. And yeah. I'm over here thinking, why are you stuck up half-witted 
scary looking nerf herder. This guy is trying to break them from the inside. Why did nobody slap him? Seriously. <laughs> I would have Like Reeves couldn't slap him. Kara didn't slap him. I would have knocked him out. I would have kicked him in the face. Yeah. I I really think he just should have been knocked out. No one no one knocked him out. And in the dark, midst of all this tension, the dark troopers come back. Come back, yeah. And now they're really trying to get through. Yeah. And Gideon is so psyched that these guys are coming through, right? Until we finally get a look at an incoming ship. A lone X-Wing. And Kara's like, a lone X-Wing? Oh, great. What, what is that going to do? And But you and I know what a lone X-Wing means. Yes, because when I saw that X-Wing coming in, I went nuts. Yeah, I was like, Luke! It's Luke! Immediately, I was like, holy shit. It's Luke is the only guy I know that pulls up in a lone X-Wing. Like, it's yeah. casual. And you know what it is? I felt, I felt like me and you were probably leaning more towards Luke showing up yeah. in this. And I remember even a while back, like this, I'm talking like when we started this pod well before season two was even a thing. We had a thing of Star Wars news that there was a possibility of a young Luke Skywalker being CGI'd into the Mandalorian. Yeah. And long behold. It happened. It happens. And, and also, <laughs> I just want to know, it's so funny that we get Luke and everyone online, and even, like, you and I, like, we fed into, like, the, these crazy fan theories of, oh, my God, is it Ezra? Is it Ahsoka? Is it, is it Cal Kestis? Is yeah. it... And, like, <laughs> without, without even keeping it simple... And like expecting it to be Luke Skywalker, the only real big Jedi in the galaxy to come. Yeah. Who's probably searching for apprentices. He's probably like meditating somewhere all the time, trying to find force sensitive kids. He's trying to start Build the temple. Yeah. You know, what if what... Grogu's his first apprentice? This is going to be interesting. Yeah. On what things come for a toll now. Because he, see, you know what it is? You know what's so funny? They all now, I love Bo being like, oh my God, it's a Jedi. You know, like everyone here is probably thinking, I mean, I'm thinking Han Solo, like. Pokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your side, kid. Because. Yeah, nobody really knows what a Jedi is. So to see Aside from Boba and Bo. Yeah. And Luke coming through these dark troopers are like nothing i mean you know imagine... what it reminded me of what happened luke running through all the dark troopers trying to walk his way to the bridge it kind of reminded me of vader in rogue one yeah especially when he gets out the elevator the force is strong in my family seriously it was just getting through everyone yeah i mean it was the most badass thing i've if seen luke could take out dark troopers so easily like that, right? Just imagine what he could have done against the Troy army. <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> Just, like, think how easy it would have been for him to take out the Troy army. Well, remember how easy it was for his dad. Yeah. <laughs> like father, like son. I am a Jedi. Like my father before me. So, and you think about it, Luke is given more credit here because he's dark troopers, so... It's pretty good right there. 
But also, I, I just that that last what is it? Ten minutes of the episode is just like fandom at its purest and highest. Because oh yeah, it's legit Luke just fucking everyone up. And the coolest thing is when he like crushes the droid yeah. with the force, like just like squeezing it. It gave me Vader vibes. Seriously, it reminded me of like something Vader Anakin would do. You know it. You know, I, I was getting, like, semi... It's it's almost like these gray Jedi vibes you kind of mm-hmm. get from him. Because also, think of it. Remember when Luke force-choked the Gamorrean in Return of the Jedi? Be careful not to choke on your aspirations. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I kind of got, like, a little vibe from that as well. I gotta say, man, it was just awesome. Absolutely astounding that this is the guy we see. We have Grogu watching this on camera, and even before on camera, he felt it. You could see him feel it through the Force. Yeah, and he was waiting. Look at him on the camera. He's like, come on. He was feeling that through the Force. You must feel the Force around you. Oh, that was great. Now, Luke gets to the bridge. How did you feel about the CGI face? I felt like it was a little funky at first. I don't know. If I you... felt like it looked fine at first, but as he kept talking, it looked weird. So I thought it was weird looking at it at first. And then when it was there for a while, I was like, oh, it's pretty cool. This is actually like, it's blending in well for me. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what's going on right there. Everything. Mando's beliefs now coming into question. You know? Yeah, just for the kid. It's amazing that that happening, Mando taking off the helmet to look at Grogu. And in front of everyone, a room full of people. And my whole thing is, obviously, this is like the Vader Luke scene from Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And I think it's so great and iconic that Luke is actually in the presence of this. Mm -hmm. You know, him for him, that's like deja vu. Or even like Luke saying... He's waiting for you to give him permission. Yeah. Like, Grogu's totally fine with it. He understands that what he's got to do, but he won't and do it. And it's like, it like it, it feels like Grogu wants it. Like, it, it seemed as if when we met Ahsoka, Grogu didn't want to take this path. No. and But I feel, now it feels like he does. Yeah, I feel like a lot of that had to do with maybe when he reached Gideon. out on Tython. I think maybe reaching out on Tython, but also being locked up by Gideon. I yeah. think that might have helped him realize, I need to train this. It's true, because it's also the fact that with that happening, is he also fearful at the same time? Will he be doing this because he doesn't want anything to happen to Mando? Does he want to train? So when he goes back to him at some point, he's ready to keep him safe because he okay. kept him safe. So almost like an Ezra type thing. Yeah. Interesting. Because Ahsoka sensed the fear. Fear is the path to the dark side. She did. And she knew what that does to people. Yeah. So what does that mean for him now? Yeah. You know? And I think maybe it might be easier to train Grogu's fear because Luke doesn't have that attachment of it being a relative like Ben. Yeah. Like, I think sensing Ben's fear and anger kind of hit home with him because it reminded him of his father. True. 
and he, I think he knew what that I think he knew what that turns into. But I think with Grogu, it's more like, okay, this is just a kid who's been scared, and this guy is the only one protecting him. Well, I'm gonna protect him. I'm gonna make sure nothing happens to him. Yeah, no, definitely. And for Mando to finally let go, and for us to get a little appearance by another good friend of ours. <laughs> R2 rolling in. Oh, I love me some R2. I literally sat What do you think he bed. was beeping? What do you think he was beeping? I don't know. I feel like, no, to be honest, I think it was because he's seeing another species of Yoda. Yeah, I feel like he's like, oh, is this that motherfucker that hit me with his stick? I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I, I literally jumped on my bed and I go, R2. Uh, yeah, I was like, R2, buddy. <laughs> I had a Poe moment. I'm not going to lie. It was like, uh, what, what's it with Poe? Uh, happy beeps. Happy beeps. Happy beeps. Happy beeps. So that was good. I was like, all right, there we go. The, end, the ending is very bittersweet. It is. Because it's like, cause it's it like was, Grogu's touching Mando's face and Mando's getting all choked up. And then I'm getting choked up with him. <laughs> it's true. I... It was quite the tearjerker. And, you know, Luke takes the kid, walks out, credits roll, and we get something we've never seen in Star Wars. A post-credit scene. Yeah. Jumping straight to Tatooine. Jabba's Palace. Palace. Yeah, when I saw Jabba's Palace, I was like, oh my god. I was like, I was like, what's, I was like, is Boba gonna take over? And I was like, is that where Boba's been this whole time? Like, what's what's going on here? Yeah. That's, I, I had a hunch it had something to do with Boba Fett. And lo and behold, freaking Bib Fortuna has put on a shit ton of weight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My goodness. And it seems like he's been on Jabba's throne for the last five years. Yeah, feel, yeah he must have been running the syndicate. Yeah. And, well, he ain't running anymore. That's for sure. Not at all, because you see Fennec come in, shooting up everyone. You know what? It re- that whole sequence reminded me of Return of the Jedi. Like, when Luke pops up at Jabba's palace. Yeah. Everyone's getting, you know, people are getting shot, shot up at, you know, while in Return of the Jedi, it's being force-choked and force-pushed. Mm-hmm. And you just see Fennec shooting up everyone. And then Boba just rolls in, like, I'm back. And Bib's yeah. like, oh, Boba, it's you. Wow, I've heard rumors, but um, I just never thought it was you. And wow. he has no hesitation. Boom, boom. And Bib Fortuna is dead. Yep, throws him off the throne and takes his rightful seat at the throne. And Fennec sits right, right there side, as well. Yeah. It feels good because I think Boba's like, has served people his whole life now. And, and I think now that he's had that time in exile without his armor, he wants to take command. Yeah. It's time for him to start running the show. Yeah. Because we have a lot of things. Like, anything can happen now at the start of season three. This is true. And then at the end of this whole sequence, we get a, we get a little title thing that says, The Book of Boba Fett, December 2021. Which 
we also know the Mandalorian is supposed to be coming out that December 2021. So let's dive into this, Rob, because I think the book of Boba Fett is a reference to season three. So my take is, I think that this is Boba's limited series. Okay, you think it's either, do you think it's a limited series or like a Disney Plus movie? Um, I'm thinking. I'm thinking along the lines of like a limited series, maybe. Okay. Who knows? It could be maybe a two season special or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it will go hand in hand with the Mandalorian and that its pilot could be in the Mandalorian and that they could coincide into a crossover of some sorts. Because how I was also thinking about it is we have the book of Boba Fett. We don't get episodes in the Mandalorian. We get chapters. We get chapters. Also, the show is called The Mandalorian. Do you think this is a short story in The Mandalorian? I think that The Mandalorian is a reference to Mandalorians. Like, maybe it's in chapters because we're telling the stories of a Mandalorian each, like, each book. So you think that Mando's, Din Djarin's story is at a halt? It's on pause for now. And then... For season three, it's the book of Boba Fett. For it's the, the book of Boba, yeah. Interesting. Because why did, like, at the end of the season, why do we get so much Boba? Like, it doesn't make sense for us to get a spinoff if it, we're getting so much Boba mm-hmm. in The Mandalorian. Also, if it was a spinoff, why save it for The Mandalorian season finale? Why didn't Disney announce it with all its other shows? That's also true. You know, and there's always been rumors about a man, a Boba Fett movie, a Boba Fett TV show. Yeah. Why not just, why just not make Boba Fett a part of Mandalorian? Yeah. You know? It's true. Or... We don't really need to extend, like, Jin Jaren's story. I mean, past the fact that maybe now he'll possibly help Bo. True. Or go back to bounty hunting. We don't know. We don't know what's to come of that, because that's all open-ended. Yeah. he has the dark saber. Yeah, we, and she is know. not, and it doesn't sit well with Bo. We know that. Yeah, because we see her face. So, this is pretty big. Also, does it mean that, like, at some point, Mando might want to, like, we see Mando's ideals being shaken up? Yeah, and we're we're noticing a change in him where he's not so rigid in his, you know, this is the way mantra. You know, the way the Mandalore seems to be fading away or loosening up. So is he gonna is he gonna help her out or is he gonna see Mandalore and realize, oh wow, these are my people? It's true. You know, and because now my thing is is like his priority was always Grogu. Now yeah. he doesn't have that as a priority now. Does now he's he? back to being a bounty hunter. We don't know that though. This is also true. But also, like, come on, we know that. We kind of know that because in season one, he didn't retire. It's true. No, it's true. He did the job and he still wanted to pick up jobs. You know, the question is, though, being open-ended like this and the last person now we know as in possession of the Darksaber, is he gonna want to lead? I don't think so. Because also, like, I as of right now, no. But that could change. Yeah. You know, we've always seen in Star Wars people's views change. Because I feel like it changes to some aspect because now he doesn't have Grogu. Mm-hmm. So is, does he think that maybe that could be his new purpose? Who knows? Or does Boba try to enlist him? That too. 
maybe he's going to start taking jobs from Karga and Boba. Because Boba has Jabba's crime syndicate. Yeah. And what does that mean? Like, does that mean we're going to... I feel like that's going to give us our first live-action appearance of Nal Hutta. And the Hutts and gangsters. Nal Hutta or even, like, the whole crime syndicate in general. Like yeah. the Black Sun and all yeah, those other guys. We don't, we don't really know what's kind of happened with most of them. Yeah, we don't know what happens to the crime syndicates after Rebels and Clone Wars, really. Yeah, it's true. Like, we know there are crime syndicates and there's an underworld in, um, in the original trilogy because we meet guys like Han Solo yeah. and in the Solo movie, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're aware that there are crime syndicates during the Age of the Empire. Yeah. So does that mean these crime syndicates kind of like slipped under the radar of the New Republic? It could be. They could have went into hiding for another time. Or are they know? just operating out of the shadows now? Because the New Republic's trying to form something. Yeah, put an end to certain things. Yeah, like the Empire. Hmm. True. It's a lot of, a lot of big things to happen. Like, to me, it just seems weird. Like, why would you have a new show around the same time you announced season three? Like, I just, I can't imagine there being two Star Wars TV shows running at the same exact time. Mm-hmm. It's never happened before. No, it's true. We've always had ones that take place after one another. You know, but, yeah, exactly. I mean, there is a lot, a lot of Star Wars content coming. Yeah, this is also true. But then you, there, you have to differentiate like an animated series, a limited series, and a movie. Like, okay, a movie can happen, and you can still have the shows. We've seen that numerous times. Yeah, but I just can't. I can't imagine like why would you have a Boba Fett show and the Mandalorian? Like, there's. I feel like there's too many similarities oh. and crossover. There's too okay. much crossover between the two. Mm-hmm. Because in essence, the Mandalorian is a bounty hunter. Jin Djarin is a bounty hunter. Boba Fett is now a crime lord. Yeah. So why would you have two shows about a crime lord and a bounty hunter? Like, you would just have them on the same show. True. You know, it's not like... You can have, like, in theory, you can have, like, a Boba Fett show and an Ahsoka show running at the same time because they're two different stories. I doubt there's any overlap between the two. Yeah. Because Ahsoka has her mission of finding Thrawn... And Bob is probably just running shit in the underworld. Who and knows? He, like you said, we might get a, a peep of now Hutta live action and he kills all the Huts. And the Huts are gangsters. True. It's not the first time a bounty hunter has run up on now Hutta trying to kill Huts. Yeah. I mean, Cad Bane tried it. It's true. Listen, I, this, this leaves a whole open world of opportunity. And for other people to even like make their appearance to come back because... I do feel with Boba and Chard, I feel like there's someone he may go after. Han? And I feel like it's Aurora Singh. Oh. Because she made a promise to Django to look after him, and she was always fucking him over as a kid. What's not to say Boba's in power now and he's going to look for that bitch? Who's to say that he hasn't already found her and killed her? We don't know. Exactly. So, because we knew Boba at times was bent on revenge. Like, he wanted to go after Mace Windu. <laughs> the guy so, knows how to hold the grudge. Yeah. So, is he going to feel the same way about Aura Singh? But see, I feel like he wants to go after Han. Again? I feel like... He might blame Han for, like, everything that happened to him. I mean, Han kind of did I mean, get his jetpack. <laughs> you know, I'm surprised there was no beef between Luke and Boba in that scene. Well, because I doubt did... Boba was around. 
Remember? No, they were there in the from Jabba's sail barge. No, I know. No, I know that. But I mean, in the Mandalorian. Oh, I don't think Boba was on the ship. I don't think he was. Oh, that's right. He wasn't. He wasn't there. He was away. That's right. I forgot. He blew. He went into hyperspace. He went into hyperspace because he went to go, uh, you know, be a distraction for the Tie Fighters. That would have been crazy if they actually. So he must have been somewhere waiting for them to get a call to be like, "Yo, come back to pick us up." Yeah, that would have been crazy if they seen each other. Because it crossed my mind. I was like, "Oh my god, Luke is on this ship. Where is Boba?" Yeah. Oh, that'd be wild. Because I'm also curious to know now, is Boba still going to keep the slave? Or, like, does Mando get it? Because what's 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 Boba going to do with the slave right now if he's going to, like, stay in charge at Jabba's you know, Palace? Be, have, have it as his personal ship? Also, who knows? Maybe, you know, Mando might run with Bo and Reeves for a bit. He's going to be a bit of a freelancer. Yeah. And he said he's going to visit the kid. Yeah. So, this is true. We might try to find where the Jedi Temple is, and uh, you know. Yeah, this is true. It's a lot of fucking crazy shit. Yeah, it's this like, episode is amazing. That was great. I think this is fan service at its most purest and best form. And you know, I hate fan service. <laughs> the CGIing is going to be a big thing to happen in a lot of these shows. I feel too. Yeah. Because think of it, the first time we really saw this whole CGI shit active. Tarkin and Leia. In Rogue One. Yeah. And that, that to me, that movie is the best Disney movie of Star Wars. Yeah, it's the best Star Wars Disney movie. Before we jump ahead on things, Darielle, this is the first time in a long while. I'm well, you know say- what? I think I know what you're going to say. <laughs> and you know what? I think it's the perfect way to close the season. All right, because it's kind of hard to give uh, raw Easter eggs every episode. So I think this is a perfect send off for 2020 and for The Mandalorian season two. And Rob, I'll just take the floor. (laughs) So I'll bring us back to chapter nine, The Marshal. We had our appearance from R5 the unit with the bad motivator from A New Hope that was trying to be sold by the Jawas to Luke and his family. Mm. So he appeared to Mando and Peli. Cobb's vehicle happens to be part of Anakin's pod racer. Oh, that's confirmed? It was confirmed. I had to make sure of it myself. Okay. You know, I just have to make sure that you cite your sources and you're not giving us fake news. Oh, of course. No, this is not, this is not fake news. All right. This is not CNN. Okay. (laughs) Uh, isn't that the fake uh galactic news media okay (laughs) (laughs) oh the jedi are bad (laughs) our crate dragon which is from the night seal republic he was also the skull and bones that we saw in the tatooine desert in the original trilogy by c3po we finally have our appearance from the crate dragon and also the noise of the crate dragon that was you know, taken care of from Ben Kenobi is now to actually put off, to, yeah. to put to, uh, is put to, to be truth. honest, when I saw the season premiere, that was the greatest thing. The fact that, that was, they kept that noise from a new hope. It fills in a plot hole. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, this show is starting to fill in a lot of plot holes. I like it. I love it. it it's just awesome. It's retconning a lot of stuff. It's the greatest thing about Star Wars. It really is. Star Wars 
is the first uh, franchise with a cinematic universe before Marvel. Yeah, very true. Because <laughs> even even before they before Disney bought Star Wars, and we had the expanded universe. Yeah, you know, and we had all this stuff that related to Star Wars, and now that Disney bought it, we're getting all this new stuff to kind of like bring it all together. Yeah, it's nice to see it on the screen. Mm-hmm. For sure. But as you may continue to uh, chapter 10. The Passenger. So we obviously know that Peli is playing Sabak with our giant aunt. Yeah, I still don't booth, get that. At all. In, the, in the booth where Han shot Greedo. Here's a, here's a crazy one. So I know the frog lady, we don't understand her. But mm-hmm. the noises and the language she speaks of her kind is, believe it or not, voiced by D. Bradley Baker, our very own actor who voiced all of our clones in Star Wars. Alrighty, interesting. I, th- I found that pretty interesting. I was like, huh, interesting. Okay, he's frog lady. Yeah, so hey, it works, man. He's not just good for clones, he's good for frog language. So, you know, here's my other one. Dave Filoni's showing up again in this episode, right? Mm-hmm. I want to know, if he takes the helmet off, does he still wear his hat? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he has a hat right next to him in the cockpit for when he takes off the helmet. I'm pretty I, sure he, like, he takes off the helmet and then puts on the hat. I, I just want to know. That's all. That's that's my big. That's a good one. That's, 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 that, good that, one. that's my big uh, Dave Filoni Easter egg take right there. I'm Dave Filoni saying. always has the hat on. You know? So I just want to know. I don't even um, know if he has hair under there. Like, yeah. I is know it if, just like a big old bald spot and then like hair on the sides? Like what? What's going on? You don't know. So I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. So we find out that those X-wing pilots though claim to be Bothan Five, right? Mm-hmm. It turns out that. Their squad, Bothan 5, is named after many Bothans died to get this information from Mon Monthma in Return of the Jedi. So a little uh, respect paid to those guys. I'm still trying to see what the Bothans look like. (laughs) (laughs) My other one now. Can that be a movie? Wait, wait, can that be like Rogue One 2 when the Bothans died? (laughs) Yeah, it it wouldn't even have to be Rogue One 2. We could just call it Bothan 5. Okay, all right. <laughs> no, no. Bothans won. Bothans won. <laughs> oh, my goodness. My final one in this is the Ice Spiders. Uh-huh. They are not the Kreeknas from Atalon Chopper Base, Star Wars Rebels. They are from that same family. They're Ralph McQuarrie design from The Empire Strikes Back that never made it to the screen. But they belong to the same family as the Kreeknaz, and they belong to the same family as the Spice Spiders that were in the comic and also the Lego Star Wars video game on how C-3PO got his metal arm in The Force mm-hmm. Awakens. Now, my next one in Chapter 11, The Heiress. It's kind of an Easter egg, but it's also kind of a take because I'm curious to know about this. Bo-Katan states that she is the last of her family. What happened to Corky Crease. Oh. That is hmm. my question. We knew Corky is Satine's nephew, which means it's Bo Katan's nephew. So there's another Crease sibling thrown in the mix. Or you want to throw in crazy Star Wars theory. Maybe 
Corky was Satine's nephew, but really her son, Ben Kenobi's son. Just a wild plot this I'm throwing out there, thinking way too far ahead. I, but, I know. <laughs> I feel like if we do get a Corky appearance, maybe Corky was killed during the Great Purge. Could be. But I felt like that was a big thing because we knew Corky was young from when we last saw him in yeah. the Clone Wars. He probably so, would have been an adult. And the other thing I had with that was we never saw him in Rebels, but he's still never mentioned. So I'm just curious to know because I felt like he's been left open. So maybe he was executed during the when the Empire took over Mandalore so, and when, when Bo lost her throne. Yeah, we don't know. But just something to throw out there. Now, okay. Chapter 12, The Siege. I find it funny how, so we know about carbon freezing because of Han Solo. My girl yeah. was carbon frozen. He was still blind in one eye from the carbon freezing. But isn't it weird that Han only couldn't see for a few hours after he was out of carbon freezing? Maybe it affects everyone differently. I would, that, that was my thing. Or it's the method of carbon freezing, possibly. So, you know, I found that pretty interesting that he was still partially blind. Han was good after a few hours. Luke's a Jedi Knight, a Jedi Master. (laughs) I'm gone for a little bit and everyone has illusions of grandeur. (laughs) Chapter 13, the Jedi. So we get some good references here. Obviously, I'm not delving into a lot of these big because they're kind of well-known. Ahsoka refers to Yoda, Anakin, Grand Admiral Thrawn, and Tython. And we kind of delved into them in our episodes earlier on when these episodes came out. Moray, we saw her in the the burned forest. I mean, we pointed that out. Don't have to go into too much detail. Here's a cool Easter egg. This is probably one of my favorite ones, actually, Mm -hmm. is Mando mentions how Elsbeth has the HK-87 assassin's droids and saying how they're intimidating, right? Well, that is a reference to our Knights of the Old Republic video games about the HK-47 companion assassin droid that you have on your squad in both games. Love that guy. Oh, what a gay, what a great guy. Great oh, guy. meat bags. <laughs> <laughs> Master, oh. I will eliminate all the meat bags for you. <laughs> oh, I have nothing for chapter 14, the tragedy. So I'll jump to chapter 15, the believer. Rhydonium. We went over what Rhydonium is, but that was a big Easter egg. ISB is another big Easter egg because everyone just keeps on popping up with ISB and we've known ISB going all the way back to Rebels. No, yeah. you know, especially Colonel Yularen, who we knew as Admiral Yularen back in the Clone Wars. So, oh, um, guy. I mean, I used to have so much respect for him. And seriously. Many t- I didn't know he was secretly like an evil conniving mastermind. <laughs> no shit, man. It's crazy. Oh. I guess you got to serve somebody, as yeah. uh, the great Bob Dylan once said in a song. Seriously. Oh, my gosh. Um, Operation Cinder. That was a big Easter egg. We delved into a lot during that episode when it aired. Uh, and then the other thing we delved into was the se- seismic charge, but still pointing out these Easter eggs. Mm. And for our last chapter, chapter 16, The Rescue, our big Easter eggs, really, it's Luke. It's R2, it's Jabba's Palace, it's Bib Fortuna. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You mean Fat Bib Fortuna. Fat Bib Fortuna. Sorry, let me, yeah. Uh, and we're talking the fat with an F, no PH, because he's no not pH. cool at all. He is not cool at all, all right? Rob, I wasn't even, th- what year are you living in? 
I well, because the thing is, I feel like he thinks he is fat with a pH bib. You know what? That might be true because fat with a pH is such a washed reference. Bib Fortuna is pretty washed at this point. So, you know, he probably thinks he's fat with a pH. Seriously, because he thinks he's taking over for Jabba. He definitely and thinks it. And to I be honest, I'm a little out. upset that you use that reference, pH fat. You know? I just have to point what it is, out. What is this, 2003? <laughs> <laughs> then you're going to tell me he's wearing, are you going to, do you wear uh, Rockaware too? <laughs> and my last reference of an Easter egg is the Mandalorian history about the dark saber on how it's claimed it's gone over on how you get that saber and who, what, and who and what uses it in yeah. order for And you know, what's interesting. Work. The fact that that the season ended on that little note of the dark saber and what it represents, it makes season three interesting because John Carlo Esposito has said in interviews that season three and four is going to dive so much deeper into Mandalorian history and the history of the Darksaber. And he actually also said he plays more, he has seen more in more. season three. Yeah. So, so do we find out, like, do we get a little story, like a flashback of the first Mandalorian Jedi? I feel like that's going to happen. And I feel like we're going to get a little backstory on Moff Gideon, to be mm-hmm. honest. And I feel like we're going to see how Bo lost it. I feel okay. like that's a possibility. Okay. But those are my Easter eggs for season two. Rob, those are great Easter eggs. Great ending to an amazing episode. Yeah. And to an amazing season. I, This show only gets better with each episode. Seriously. I, uh, it leaves me speechless. It leaves me as a tearjerker. Oh man, what what are we gonna do, man? What are we gonna do? I mean, we have to wait till next year. Yeah. To get anything new Star Wars. Yeah, no, oh, this is true. Just FYI, in uh, I think January 6th uh, or January 4th, I have to double check that. The first book of the High Republic releases. Yes, I know. Have exactly. you pre ordered your book? I have not. Okay. I have not. I, who like to read, <laughs> okay <laughs> i need a new book to read soon okay and uh why not make it a star wars book fair enough fair enough because a lot of big things now i feel like with this is a lot of people from the legends are starting to get thrown into the mix yeah. of that timeline in the past you know revan malik nagasato um malgus darth nile Dar- yeah oh man there's a lot of big shit happening. Huge shit. And this High Republic is supposed to cover Young Yoda. So Yeah. And from the descriptions we've heard so far, it seems like Yoda wasn't so much a sage in his youth, but a traveler. Yeah. Which kind of makes sense because how did he meet the Wookiees on Kashyyyk? True, because that's why he goes there. How does he, he have so many friends? In the in Clone Wars, he goes to so many planets and he knows everyone. Yeah, and you gotta remember, I feel like the Wookiees age almost to a similar capacity of Yoda, because we know yeah. Chewie's over a hundred years old. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that's why he goes there in Revenge of the Sith. He has good relations with the Wookiees because of all this. Yeah, so he might have met them during this timeline. So this is, this is gonna be interesting. We also and we also know there's a Wookiee Jedi in this High Republic thing. Yeah, he's on the cover of that novel. So maybe Yoda met you know met the Wookiees through his Jedi friends. Yeah, oh. I'm excited to read these books. And uh, it's been confirmed that this uh, 
The Acolyte is the High Republic era show. So it's set uh, in the High Republic. So I wonder if the Acolyte is like Darth Bane or something. No, well, actually, in this whole like High Republic thing, I know they're splitting it up in books and graphic novels, and the graphic novels cover a group of Padawans. Okay. So I think oh, that, that that's ma- interesting. I like that. So I think maybe those Padawans become an acolyte. Like, oh. you know, it's it's not Star Wars if a Padawan doesn't get tempted to the dark side. It's true. And we this whole group that I guess the Jedi are fighting from what we've been told, the Nile, they're just like crazy people. But who's to say that the Nile aren't connected to a Sith Lord? That's true. You know, so we'll see. Yeah. I'll let you know. When I get the book, I'll let you know. All right. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. Yeah, I'm going to be doing definitely some Star Wars reading. We're definitely, we're taking a break for a we're little taking bit. Taking a break. Yeah. You know, we are, this is our final episode of 2020. So we might surprise you guys with a random episode covering oh. who knows what. Yeah. And get thrown for a loop. You know, don't oh, overthink it like most Star Wars fans do. All right. Or like you and I did. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> I will, I will hold myself accountable. Don't. Don't put too much thought into it, guys. Yeah. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, exactly. But, ladies and gentlemen, we hope you've enjoyed us throughout the year 2020. You know, it's been a rough year for everybody. You know, but... What a great all, year for Star Wars. Yeah. But we all got to stick together. This is so, true. Your clone trooper, Robbie Rockets, 12617, is signing off. This is the way. Remember, the Force will be with you. Always. It's Jedi Master, Dario. I'm about to hop in my personal X-Wing, go fly to the Jedi Temple, and uh, teach my guy Grogu a few things, and maybe have a little quick duel with my guy Luke Skywalker. But until then, may the Force be with you.